Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we gather together on a special day that only occasionally falls on Sunday, the Vigil of the Nativity, or as it's more affectionately known, Christmas Eve. Our introit, Hodie Siatis, the opening words to the phrase, Today you shall know that the Lord will come to deliver you, and at sunrise shall ye behold his glory. These words invite us to engage with the mystery of the Incarnation. Indeed, today we await the radiant glow of Christ's birth as we stand at the threshold of a profound revelation. And we hear the name of Christ as spoken by the angel to Joseph, Jesus. Yeshua, Joseph, those are all the same name, and they all mean God delivers or God saves. How profound a name to be given to the Christ child. How amazing a name when we will later learn that God himself has come to save us by joining his divine nature to our mind, our body, our soul, our will. God has indeed come, come himself to save us. Just before our gospel reading from Matthew, we encountered the genealogy of Jesus. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez by Zerah by Tamar. Perez the father of Zeran, and Zeran the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. Next, David was the father of Solomon by Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. And after the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetiel. Shetiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad. Abiad, the father of Elohim. And Elohim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Achim. Achim, the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Elzir. And Elzir, the father of Nathan. Nathan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And all then, there were 14 generations, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Now, this is not a dry record of names, but a testament of God's intricate design. Through the line of Abraham, the faithfulness of David, and the righteousness of Joseph, we witness the unfolding drama of our salvation. The birth of Jesus stands as the apex of a divine intervention, a fulfillment of promises echoing through time. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, joins us to that genealogy. He reminds us of the promises of the prophets and that through David's line, Jesus was born according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations. For what? For his name, his glorious name, Jesus, among whom are you, that's you, that's me, that's all of us, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Note that Paul doesn't say called by. He says called of. And that means we belong to him. We have taken his name. We have put on Christ. And so his powerful name has likewise saved us. As we journey through the story of salvation, of our salvation, we encounter a Savior whose name is not arbitrary, but a deliberate revelation of his mission. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The very name Jesus embodies God's salvific purpose. His name is the very gospel itself, a gospel that we as human beings participate in, and that God saves despite our brokenness. That is the good news of the gospel, that God saves us. And in fact, in that very genealogy of Matthew, he makes note of four women who would not normally be included in such a genealogy, each of whom played a critical role in God's plan despite some unsavory aspects to each of them. And I say this not to shame the women, not at all. In fact, I think Matthew was including them so that he could call out the sin of all the people in that genealogy, including the men. And without him including the women, I, it would have read like any other of the boring lists of begats from the Old Testament. Furthermore, each of them showed a particular faithfulness to Israel and to God despite what appears their failings. And I think it's worth taking a moment to highlight each of them. Tamar is the first. Her story is told in Genesis 38. Tamar is a Canaanite woman married to Judah's firstborn son, Ur. When Ur dies without having a son, the Torah commands that one of his brothers should father a child with Tamar to carry on the dead man's name. Judah first gives Tamar to his second son, Onan, who also dies. And so Judah refuses to give her to his third son, Shalah, for fear he would die too. So in order to fulfill the law for her husband, Tamar dresses as a prostitute to sleep with her father-in-law, Judah, thereby bearing a son for her dead husband. And Rahab's story appears in the book of Joshua. Rahab is a Canaanite prostitute living in Jericho. And the Israelites have left from Egypt and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And as they prepare to invade the land of Canaan, the Israelites send spies to Jericho. And when the spies find their lives in danger, Rahab helps them escape. And in return, the Israelites spare her family when they attack the city. Next is Ruth, told in the eponymous book. Ruth is a Moabite woman who gives up her land and people to support her Israelite mother-in-law, Naomi. Ruth had married Naomi's son, Malon, who died without leaving an heir. And since his father, Elamech, and his brother, Chilion, had also died, no one remained to carry on the family line. Ruth goes with Naomi back to Bethlehem and eventually seduces and marries Naomi's kinsman, Boaz, and bears a son, Obed, who would become the grandfather of David. And finally, in 2 Samuel and 1 Kings, we hear the story of Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of David's soldiers. While Uriah is at the front line fighting, David sees Bathsheba bathing and has his men, sum have his, has his men summon her to the palace, even though he knows she's married. She becomes pregnant, and David calls Uriah back from the front, hoping that he will sleep with his wife and think the baby is his. But when that fails, David sends Uriah back to the front and instructs his general Joab to abandon him on the field, where Uriah is killed in battle. After their first baby die, dies, David marries Bathsheba, who becomes the mother of Solomon, one of the greatest kings of Israel. In the tapestry of Matthew's genealogy, we discern a line of flawed yet faithful men and women. The divine purpose unfolds to their lives, four of whom we just discussed, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and heralds a narrative of grace that transcends our human shortcomings. The birth of Christ is a cosmic event that bridges the chasm between heaven and earth. So let us not approach this holy season with casual familiarity, but with hearts ablaze with reverence and wonder.
The name of Jesus is not a magical incantation, but a revelation of the character of God. And yet in our daily lives, let us consciously embrace the transformative power encapsulated in the name of Jesus. As we face challenges, uncertainties, and moments of despair, may the utterance of his name be a source of strength, comfort, and hope. Let the name of Jesus be a constant reminder that in him we find salvation, healing, forgiveness, reconciliation, and redemption. Reflect on the genealogy of Jesus and recall that it includes flawed individuals who, through their faith, became part of God's redemptive plan. Recognize that our imperfections do not disqualify us from being instruments in God's hands. In our daily lives, let us live in the light of God's faithfulness, trusting that he can use us, even our weaknesses, for his glory. As we contemplate the grand narrative of salvation, let us each understand that we have a role to play in God's unfolding plan. In our families, communities, and workplaces, let us actively participate in bringing forth God's kingdom. Seek ways to share the love of Christ with those around you, recognizing that through simple acts of kindness and compassion, we can be channels of God's grace. And as recipients of God's mercy, let us extend the same to those around us. In moments of conflict and misunderstanding, may the name of Jesus guide our actions prompting us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And by doing so, may we become ambassadors of reconciliation in a world hungry for grace. As we stand here this morning before we celebrate his nativity, Christmas tonight, let the name of Jesus echo in the chamber of our hearts, guiding us to a deeper comprehension of the mystery of the incarnation. May our celebration be more than a commemoration and instead a direct participation in the transformative power encapsulated by his name. Let us, like the shepherds and magi of old, bow in adoration before the newborn king, recognizing that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Amen. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.